You are listening to the Genesis Podcast, a community of faith, love, and hope. As we look to the scriptures, it is our desire to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. We are continuing our Elements series. We are going through the fruit of the Spirit there in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. And what we're doing is looking at each one of these items that are part of the fruit. And just like there are elements that make up the periodical chart that governs all the elements that we know that exist, there are elements that are supposed to be a part of our lives if we are followers of Christ. These are the things that are to show up in our lives. And so we're looking at them and seeing what does that look like in our lives. And so today we're going to be looking at goodness. And it's kind of interesting because we talked about kindness last week. And kindness and goodness can be, they sound similar, like you're kind, you're good. They can sound very similar, but goodness is not about being or doing good. And I think that's important because in this book, the book of Galatians, Paul has spent the whole part of this book telling us that they are free from the burden of the law and that they're not required by God to follow the Mosaic law anymore. And in Acts chapter 15, we see there was an incredible event that took place where they went to the church in Jerusalem when the Gentiles, people like us, started coming to faith in Jesus They said, what are we going to do with them? They don't follow the law of Moses. They're doing all kinds of things. I mean, they don't keep the Sabbath. They eat bacon and, you know, they, they aren't circumcised. There's so many things that are problematic from our culture. What do they need to do so that we can accept them? And basically, when Paul and Apollos went there and Barnabas, they went there and said, they don't have to do anything in the law. We want them to keep away from food that is strangled, sacrificed to idols and uh, adultery. Those things, they're doing good. And Paul here in this book is reaffirming all those things. He's saying, if you've begun in the spirit, are you going to end in the flesh? No, Christ has set you free. Why would you be entangled again? And so when he talks about goodness, he's not talking about doing good things. It's not about being just, you know, good. And it's more than kindness. It's more than just gentleness or a good character. It is character that is energized. It is expressing itself through benevolent acts. That's what goodness is. It's actively doing things that are good. And good is a word that describes things that have fulfilled their purpose. When something is good, it means it's done what it's supposed to have done. It also describes the character of God. God is good. Goodness describes 
when a benefit has been given to another person, someone's done good to you, they've benefited you. These are all definitions of the idea of goodness, but what we can do is kind of look at Scripture and see how has goodness shown up? How has goodness been revealed in Scripture? And it starts all the way in Genesis chapter 1. Seven times in the first chapter of Genesis, God created and it was good. God created and it was good. He created, it was good. He created man in his own image and it was very good. And why was it good? What made it good? Just because God created it? Because it was functioning the way God intended it. It was doing what God intended it to do and it fulfilled the purpose that God intended for it. And so when something is good, again, it's doing a purpose or fulfilling its purpose, but it's not just any purpose. It's a purpose that God has intended it to do. And so even in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, when Joseph is confronted, confronts his brothers, remember he was sold into slavery. And then his brothers find out it's Joseph. He's now second under Pharaoh. And they're frightened, and he says, don't be afraid. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God had a purpose that is now being fulfilled, being accomplished. So this is what goodness looks like. It's something that is fulfilling a purpose, and it's accomplishing what God has intended it to do. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for the good those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Again, we see in this idea of goodness that there is purpose. So it's more than just an act. It's an act that's purposeful, an act that is intentional, an act that is meant to do something that God has the intention to do. God is able to take even the bad and the evil that is in the world around us and bend it towards something good. And so this fruit of the Spirit, this goodness that is supposed to show up in our lives are are things that come out of us in spite of where we are at. You're struggling in something or or someone has treated you wrong or you've lost a job, your car breaks down. I think those all happened in this last week somewhere. You know, all these things have happened and you're wondering what's going on. Well, your life is still supposed to produce goodness because God is still working his purpose in you. And so it's not like, well, what do I do now? Not These things aren't good around me. This person isn't treating me well. That doesn't affect the purpose and the goodness of God. He is still working good in us. Psalm 100, verse five, it says, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Again, God is purposeful and working. Psalm 23, verse six, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Intention, God is working good every day in my life. He has a purpose for me that is for my benefit in his plan. And so what is supposed to be showing up in our life is this recognition of God's intention in us where now we are the ones who start to fulfill the goodness of God in our lives. 
And what I want to do is kind of look at these things to to see how they show up. In Galatians 6.10, it says, Therefore, we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We're supposed to to do good. Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We are prepared for these things. We have been prepared by God to do these good works. It's supposed to be a part of our lives. It's not a state of being as much as it's a a state of intentionally doing, strategically pushing the light of God forward. So whenever we intentionally push the things that God would want to accomplish, remember we talked about your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's the goodness of God being pushed forward in and through our lives. And so there's two dimensions of goodness that I want to look look at. One is goodness in action, the things that we do, and the other is goodness in reaction, the way we react to things. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, talking about Jesus says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. It didn't say that he, didn't say that he went around being good. It said that he went around doing good. You see, Jesus is good not just because there is no sin in him. Sure, that's part of it, but it's... It's saying that he is good because he does good. How will you know a tree? By its fruit. We see goodness by what our lives produce. And so Jesus is good not because there is no sin, but because of what he does. He liberates those who are in bondage. He finds those who were lost. He heals those who were sick. He he restores those who were in exile. He brings good news to those who were hopeless. These are all good things that he is doing, bringing the kingdom of God forward. When Jesus opened Isaiah scripture, he says, the spirit of God is upon me to proclaim the good news to the brokenhearted, healing to the sick. He was doing the goodness that God wanted to be done. And this is what we are supposed to do. And Jesus taught about goodness. And this is where I'm going to have you turn to Matthew chapter 25. Because when Jesus teaches about goodness, it's an interesting way that he does it. Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 14. Jesus says again, it will be like a man on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who had with two bags of gold gained two more. 
But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You know that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, well then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Woo, heavy words. When we hear something like this, I think sometimes we can think of it in kind of an economic way where we think of it as being successful. You know, if, I, if I'm successful, if, if, if I do something and it, it's successful, then God's going to be pleased with me. But it's not about being successful. It's about faithful obedience. It's about doing what the master wanted. The master wanted a return for the things that he had given them. So it's not just about, well, whether you're successful. They knew what the master wanted, and they acted accordingly. That's what they did. They did good because they invested and got more. So God has invested in our lives something, and it's supposed to produce what God has given to us. The goodness is supposed to come from us and develop even more. It's in the intention of obedience that things happen. Because the servants intended to get more for the master's money in this story, they were able to get that. You see, the miraculous doesn't take place because of how well you pray or if you say the right words. It's not magic. Just ending something in Jesus' name isn't like hocus pocus or abracadabra, now it's going to be done. The miraculous takes place. God's interaction in our lives takes place. God adds to our lives when we sacrifice obediently 
when we intend to give ourselves to him. It's how we sacrifice of our lives to the purpose of God. Then God is a part of our lives and works and multiplies in our lives those things that we'd consider miraculous. Obedience isn't what's required for our salvation, but obedience is required for our transformation. I don't have to be obedient so that God will love me and save me. I have to be obedient so that I can be changed. And when I'm changed, then God produces in my life. When I am obedient to God, then he produces things like goodness. How can my life make an investment in the good that God is doing? How can I take my life and invest it so that more of what God is doing is produced in my life? Because that's what Jesus is really getting at. How can God be seen in you? God has given his son to the world, and now he's given his son to the world, not in the the world, the earth. He's given his son to the people to you, to me, those who are followers of Christ. He's given us his son. How now is that going to be seen in our lives? How is that going to multiply? How how is that going to increase? How are we going to get the dividends from that, the interest in these things? It's going to be by that long, faithful obedience. That's why in the beginning he says, the master was gone for a long time. Sometimes it feels like a long time before anything happens. Sometimes it seems like years. You're praying, you're, you're working at something and you're not seeing any return for it. You have to stay faithful. Keep planting those things that are gonna be harvested in goodness later on. But we need to do that continually. Following Jesus means doing the good that Jesus did. It means caring about the people that Jesus cares about, extending love to those that the world finds unlovely. I mean, look at his disciples. Fishermen, they were lower class. Tax collector, they were considered the scourge. They were enemies. They were in cahoots with the Romans. They had some that were zealots. They were considered terrorists. A zealot was someone who was trying to overthrow the Roman government by force. Those were his disciples. Those were the people he poured his life into. And so following him means doing what he does by the things that he did. But then we also show goodness in our reaction. Not by just what we do, but by how we react Someone said that it's easier to act like, it, like a Christian than it is to react like a Christian, right? I can put up a front, hey, praise God, everything's holy, you know, bless the Lord, hallelujah, you know, whatever you want to do. I, I can do all that, but when someone crosses me, how do I react? See, it's easier to act like a Christian than react like a Christian, And so Jesus, how did he react? 
Luke chapter 6, verse 27, it says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Hard words. Hard words. We want to defend ourselves, but here Jesus is telling us that we are to love our enemies. I I was thinking about this because I have ongoing conversation about the evils in the world, about, you know, terrorism and government and the things that are wrong in the world. And, you know, it's easy to see injustice and it does make you angry. It it infuriates you. When you see these things, you want to bring change. And so the idea is, if I could just change this and if I could change this, then I could make the change and stop the injustice that's being done to these people, you know, and we could change the world. But how did Jesus change the world? He did good to those who actually mistreated him. It's almost like you minister in the opposite of whatever is being done. So if someone's harsh to you, you come back gentle. If someone's mean to you, you come back nice. If someone is trying to oppress you, you actually lift them up. It's coming back with the opposite spirit of what is coming towards you. And and mentality, my mentality thinks, no, they'll just trample over me. They'll just take advantage of me and they'll just use me. And, you know, I mean, you have to protect yourself. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about attitudes here. And we seem to think, or at least I do, you know, if I don't stand up for myself, no one's going to. I don't want to get taken advantage. If I'm going to make that promotion or if I'm going to get to this place, then I have to take the bull by the horns and make things happen. But what would happen if we actually did things like Jesus did? Where we actually cared about the people even though they didn't care about us. You see, it actually worked for Jesus. History shows that the world was changed because of how these people loved each other and even their enemies. It changed the heart of their enemies. It changed the heart of the entire government. They didn't have to go and pass laws. They didn't have to, you know, do, put the right person in office. They didn't have to do these things. What they had to do is show the goodness of God, and they reacted in the goodness of God. They didn't react, oh, yeah, you're going to hurt me. We're going to fight back. They reacted and said, we belong to God. We will entrust our lives to him. What does goodness and the reaction look like in our society today? How does it respond to racial tension? How does it respond to social tensions? Is God real all the time? Is he real now? Are those things true now? You see, how long are we going to try and end the problems by fighting for our rights? 
And when will we find out that we can actually end the problems by loving and caring more about the others than we do about ourselves? Remember, without, if with all these things, if, there, if we were to do all these things, the fruit of the Spirit, there is no law. Law takes place when love stops. So, police violence, racial tension, what would happen if the police actually loved these people more than they loved themselves? What would happen if the person who was racially profiled loved the police more than they loved themselves? You would actually end this problem. It would end the problems. But someone has to be willing to be like Jesus. See, God banked everything on his grace and goodness. The goodness of Christ isn't seen in the words he said or even fully through the miracles he did. The goodness of God is seen in Christ by his reaction from those who accused him and those who betrayed him that took him to the cross. The goodness of God was seen how Jesus reacted. In 1 Peter 2.23, it says, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When the, he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, listen to this, he entrusted himself to him who judges rightly. What would happen if we actually entrusted ourselves to God in any of these circumstances? And allow God to do these things. You know, we always tend to go to the extremes. But what about in the day-to-day life where you and I live? What about in the tensions that you have on the freeway with the people at your work, with the people you encounter at the gas station, at the supermarket, wherever you are? What if you were to apply these things, not insult people who insult you, not retaliate, but when you have to suffer, you don't make threats, you entrust yourself to God who judges justly. You would disarm things and you could actually, as the Proverbs say, a gentle word turns away wrath. What are you doing? You're reacting in goodness. You're not just acting good, you're reacting in a way that's good. And then ultimately, Jesus showed goodness when he went to the cross on our behalf. The goodness of God was seen by his willingness to lay down his life. Look at that picture as five bags of gold. Here's five bags of gold on the cross for you. What are you going to do with it? What are we going to do with the the treasure that God has given us through the cross? How do we invest that so that it's reproduced in our lives? The attitude of Christ in us. 1 John says that we, because he laid down his life, we also will lay down our lives for one another. God given us that example that we should do as he's done. That's how we invest the treasure that is in the cross of Christ. And so it's an ongoing thing for us. 
we, we constantly invest our lives. Every day, it's an opportunity to invest. Every day, it's an opportunity to react or to act in a way that is goodness, to take the treasure that God has given us in Jesus and invest it in some way to some person, some thing in our lives. Every day is an opportunity to invest so that goodness is produced in our lives. And we need to recognize that it's that choice that we make when we take up our cross daily and follow after him. That's what it is. It's not just believing, it's allowing our belief to turn into our lives sacrificed in obedience for him, and that's what transforms us. It doesn't save us, but it changes us. It's good to see change take place in your own life. You know, when there's something that would happen, like whenever someone would mention a person and you'd get angry, every time you heard that name, you'd start to grit your teeth and like, oh, not them. Or someone says, oh, you know, so-and-so, yeah, you know, they, they're doing really well. They just got a new car or whatever it is, and it's the person you're angry with. And you're just like, oh, I wish bad would happen to them. You know, that feeling. Now, I've had those feelings. Just sharing with you guys, I've had those kinds of feelings. But you know what's wonderful is when someone mentions that name that used to make my blood boil, and I don't react at all. And I look back and I go, wow, something changed. I changed. I changed. Goodness is starting to be produced in me. I'm actually starting to care about that person. I'm actually praying for that person, not wanting evil to happen. There was someone who had said some things about me a while back and some, I had heard some events happen to them. And I remember I just thought, I know what that feels like. I need to pray for them. And that actually surprised me. It's like, wow, that's pretty spiritual of you, Sam. <laughs> it surprised me, though, but it, it was great to see change in me. And there's still a lot of change that needs to take place. But you see, you want to be mature, then let goodness flow from your life. You want Jesus to be seen in you? React in goodness. Act in goodness. Intentionally devote yourself to the purpose of God. God created and it was good. We have the potential to invest in the things that God is doing and produce things that are good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for challenging us. And Jesus, your words are so difficult to to grasp because they strike at the heart of our pride. Lord, we don't want anyone to belittle us or to think little of us, but if we belong to you, what can anyone do to us? Lord, may we have the right perspective. May we allow who you are to influence us more than anything or anyone else. And may our lives act 
in goodness and react in goodness, even as you did, Jesus. May we invest the treasure that you have given us in the cross so that it produces in our lives more and more so that you would say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Any questions or thoughts just in any of these things? Zealot? A zealot was a person who was politically involved. Okay, so they were politically against the Roman government at that time. And so Simon, one of his disciples, was a zealot. He was one of Jesus' followers. He was someone who Rome would look at. He'd be on Rome's, you know, targeted. Yeah, his blacklist. Yeah, just love that TV show. Anyway, he would be on that kind of a list. He was someone that they'd keep an eye on. You're a troublemaker. So that was one of Jesus' disciples. Any other thoughts or questions? No? Okay, there's a few pieces of pie left. You have to get here early because everyone's starting to eat before things even start here. So uh, God bless you guys. Enjoy each other's company. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.